Welcome to this special edition episode of the NSCA Coaching Podcast. As we're doing this podcast, you know, I'm like really thinking deep, you know, what is what is a mentor and what does that mean? And uh, what does it mean to be a mentor? And I really think it's somebody that, that you can trust. I think that's important. I think somebody that where there's mutual respect. And then I think someone that can provide you a vision. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. Today, we're joined by Mike Minnis, the NFL Philadelphia Eagles. Mike is the Eagles Director of Performance Nutrition and also works with the Strength and Conditioning Program. Mike, welcome. Eric, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. This is a special Gatorade Performance Partner collaboration episode on the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I want to also welcome longtime college strength and conditioning coach John Jost, who is the team sports manager for Gatorade. Coach Jost, great to have you with us as a co-host today. Thank you so much. It's uh, great to be here and uh, be with the NSCA. Long time relationship and member of the NSCA, so I'm uh, excited to be on in this capacity. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this, guys. Uh, John, Mike, you guys know each other a little bit. How'd you first get connected? Yeah, you know, I I don't remember exactly when we met, but I know that the the common denominator is uh, Josh Hinks, who Josh uh, Josh and I worked together at Florida State. Is probably many know who are listening. He. Uh, is kind of has worn two hats throughout his entire career, sometimes both at the same time, sometimes taking one off and putting the other one on. And he as a, we worked together at Florida state where he was a strength coach and sports dietitian. And then through the years, he introduced me to, to Mike. Uh, I believe if I'm not mistaken, he hired Mike with the Eagles or they were hired at a similar time. And uh, then, of course, through Gatorade and through the SNP program, uh, that's just uh, kind of deepened the relationship in it even more. And I have a, a huge amount of respect for, uh, for Mike, and it's great to be on with him. And, and so, yeah, I don't, uh, that's, I don't remember the exact date, but that's kind of how it all spun out. Yeah, I was going to add the, the same thing. It was, you know, and it's an uh, interesting topic, you know, talking about mentorship because the first time I ever heard of John was, through Josh, you know, and Josh kind of speaking, uh, you know, on John as a mentor through his career in strength and conditioning. So it's kind of cool to come full circle and, and be on the call here. But um, yeah, I had heard about John, you know, kind of leading up and working with Josh and, and through my career. Then I think we finally just met, you know, I think through Gatorade at some point at some junction there. And um, so it's been a great relationship since. Mike, you've Worked your way up with the Eagles, starting as an intern back in 2014. It'd be great to hear more about your role on the staff and what it's like working in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I kind of, you know, similar to what John said about Josh is I, I wear a couple of hats. Uh, so first, first of all, I'm the director of nutrition. So, you know, the big thing is just making sure that the nutrition program's up to par and, and kind of overlooking the big picture on that program. And then the secondary piece to that is, assisting with the strength conditioning program. So, you know, it kind of looks a little different um, based on what season we're in, but really just to kind of give you a general overview of what that looks like, you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, looking at body composition of players, um, you know, setting goal body weights, making sure guys are, are where they need to be, 
Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with hydration protocols and we, you know, we do a lot of hydration testing and make sure guys are locked in from that standpoint. Uh, we do a lot of biomarker testing. So, you know, looking at either whether it's saliva, blood, um, urine, sweat, things like that, just to really individualize programs for players, you know, not only nutrition programs, but recovery programs, uh, training programs, things like that. And, Another big piece of supplements and, and regulation of supplements and making sure guys are putting the right things in their body and um, taking things that are effective for them. Um, and then a, another part of that is the return to play process. So, you know, making sure we have good protocols for guys that, you know, you know, forbid they do get hurt. Uh, how do we bring them back uh, more effectively and we can kind of help them through from the nutrition side. And so that's kind of a really general overview from the nutrition side. And then obviously the strength conditioning side, you know, we do something pretty cool. Where we, we, we overlook certain groups. So for example, I'll overlook a little bit closely, the quarterbacks, linebackers, and special teams this season. In previous years, I've, I've worked with wide receivers and DBs on a little closer respect. Really what that means is, is we obviously have influence over the whole team, but those are really, you know, your guys to, to lock in in terms of, uh, you know, training loads and, and modifications in the weight room and making sure those guys are in, in touch with the recovery modalities and things like that. So that's, again, kind of a broad overview of that. And, and you know, you you asked, you know, what it's like working in the NFL. I mean, I, I love it. I worked had a little bit of experience in college, you know, one year, so I'm very, very short window. Um but and those had great things, you know, with it as well. But I just love the NFL. I love the resources available. You know, they just want, you know, one goal and that's to win and whatever it takes to get the job done um, is what we're going to do. And so there's a lot of, you know, good pressure to, to be the best and have the best resources for our guys and, and make sure we're doing everything we can to help them succeed. So today's episode is about the power of mentorship. And Mike, I want to dig into your background. Coming in from both the nutrition and coaching side, what's been your experience with mentorship and some of the key experiences and stops that you've had along the way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is to me, mentorship has been everything. And every, and you know, I'm sure Eric, you could attest to it. And John, you could attest to it every time you, I mean, every step you take in your career you know, personally and professionally, you know, you, there's somebody there that's influencing you. And, and first and foremost, I think in mentorship to me is influence, you know, somebody that's influenced you in one way or the other. Um, you know, I think when I think of mentorship too, you know, because as we're doing this podcast, you know, I'm like really thinking deep, you know, what is, what is a mentor and what does that mean? And uh, what does it mean to be a mentor? And I, I really think it's somebody that, that you can trust. I think that's important. I think somebody that where there's mutual respect. And then I think someone that can provide you a vision, you know, I think somebody that can provide perspective with where you're at, they can provide a, a picture, um, you know, of kind of where you want to go and paint that picture for you. So you can see, obviously, it's somebody you can learn from, um, somebody that can provide some wisdom and then somebody that can provide empathy and compassion. You know, when you're going through hard times and you're going through certain things and you got really hard decisions to make, it's somebody that can empathize with you. And, hey, man, I've been there before. I can completely understand, you know, I've never been there like that, but I can completely understand where you're coming from. So, I mean, when I look through my whole journey and, you know, it's a short journey, relatively speaking, but at every stop, um, somebody has been there. Tell me a couple that that really stick out to me. And I want to mention these because these aren't, you know, strength coaches. And so, and I think we'll kind of get that, you know, what is a mentor and, and does it have to be somebody that you, 
you know, you're rolling with in terms of jobs and stuff like that. And, you know, the first one to me was when I transferred, I went from a business degree to when I switched to nutrition exercise, uh, halfway through that, I almost was kind of regretting my decision and, and kind of realized maybe, maybe I made a mistake. Um, you know, I don't know if this is actually what I want to do. And I just remember very vividly having a phone call with my brother-in-law. Uh, his name is Brian. He, he lives out in California now. And he's always been somebody I've looked up to, um, just his personality and the way he communicates and, and deals with people. And, you know, he was talking to me on the phone and just essentially just told me to stick with it. You know, he laid out, again, a vision uh, of what this could be. And he, he saw it before I saw it. And, you know, he really saved me from kind of uh, ending this thing and maybe going a different route in my career. And so, you know, for me, like I always tell him, he's a mentor of mine. And that was one moment in time where that really, you know, he really shifted my trajectory. Uh, you know, another time was when I was at uh, Kansas State, I applied for my dietetic internship to get my RD. And I thought I was a shoe in and I've told this story on a couple podcast before. And, you know, I, had a, I thought I had the GPA and I thought I had the experience and all those things and um, ended up not getting my internship. And so that kind of like, you know, crumbled me because I had I'm a futuristic person. So I already had everything laid out of how, OK, the next month was going to go. I'm going to go here and then I'm going to be done in X months. And and that kind of really, you know, shocked me a little bit. And I had a professor there and a uh advisor, Dr. Kevin Sauer, who he was my soundboard. You know, I mean, when we talk about empathy and compassion and somebody that was really there for me um, personally and professionally during that time to say, OK, you know, that's not what we had planned, but here's the next step. So then I, I went back and got my master's because there wasn't really no other choice. And then I ended up getting into a, another internship where I then got into the Eagles kind of through a long story. So I'm not going to go through all that, but essentially you know, you kind of talk about everything happens for a reason. And um, that was one of those instances and somebody, you know, a couple of instances out of a ton that I could mention because I could run down every person that's, you know, touched me at every stop at stop, but I don't think we need to go that far. But those are a couple that are outside of coaching that, you know, were very, very powerful for me. That's awesome, Mike. One, one, one question I wanted to ask you is about the specifically about the Gatorade Sports Nutrition Immersion Program, probably better known as SNP in the sports dietetic world. And, you know, you experienced really both sides of that program, one as a fellow and later on as a mentor. And could you share a little bit about, you know, I guess your, your biggest learnings on, on both sides of that experience? Yeah, absolutely. So I did my sports nutrition immersion program in the spring of 2015 and I did it at the University of Texas and so you know for me I had I had really had a lot of football specific experience and when I went to Texas you know it's called an immersion program and I was thrown in to that in that way and I worked with tennis men's and women's tennis they were trying to get their nutrition program up and running um, and I you know Amy Culp who's the director there you know, she's like, hey, you have men's and women's tennis. Here you go. Obviously, you know, give me guidance and, and resources and things like that. But it was a great experience. And, you know, I, I think of Amy as a mentor. And again, you know, we could talk every stop I'm at, but I've never seen somebody with such a good vision of, you know, number one, what they want their program to look like, not only now, but in, you know, two years and four years, she had very objective measures of this is how we're going to say the, the nutrition program successful. And I always looked up to that. 
And she was always somebody that really went to bat for, you know, more staff. I think when you look at University of Texas and their sports nutrition program, I think they've really paved the way in terms of, you know, staff members. If you kind of look at the trend, you know, even five, 10 years ago, there might be a director and maybe one assistant, maybe, you know, now you have a lot of these programs with a, a director, assistant director, and, you know, four or five, maybe other assistants, GA positions. And I felt like Amy was really one of the first out there to really, really go hard uh, for more staff and, and show administration the importance of nutrition. And so to me, that was just just learning from her uh, how she she because really all my experience since then had been very small type of staffs where there's maybe only one nutrition professional, maybe two. And now to work with a whole department of nutrition professionals and then see how Amy would could manage that was big for me just to, you know, I again, I consider her a mentor. And then, you know, kind of on the flip side of that, then we then I was a mentor for a mentee for the sports nutrition version program a few years ago uh, with Stephanie Coppola, and we actually ended up hiring her full-time. So she's now on our staff full-time. Um, so obviously a lot of success with that program as well. And, you know, when I think about that, you know, what's, what's really interesting about the sports nutrition immersion program is at first I didn't like it is that they made you have to be in your position for, I think John, correct me if I'm wrong, a year or maybe even more before you can apply. So when I first got there, in 2016, I wanted a, you know, I knew the program was great. I knew they had very high level candidates. And so I wanted a, a candidate right away. You know, I wanted, I, I think I emailed them or reached out, said, Hey, I want to apply. And they said, you can't, you know, you need to be in a certain position for a certain amount of time before you can. And so, and when I look back at that, I think that's such a beautiful thing because I think there's gotta be a level of comfort within yourself and within your role and your position before you can start mentoring people, you know? Being a mentor isn't just, you know, telling people what to do and having people work on X, Y, Z projects and things like that. You know, there's a lot more to it. It's a, it's a lot of the things that I had talked about previously in terms of what I see as a mentor. And so for me, I thought it was a good amount of time in me being in that position. And then after a year, being able to bring, you know, Stephanie in in that role and, and really try to do a lot of the things that I had seen other mentors do. You know, Mike, I. I really liked how you broke down what a mentor is, you know, trust, respect, vision, providing some empathy and just really painting a clear picture of what the field looks like coming from a voice of, uh, of maturity and, and experience in the field. And it also speaks to when you're able to step up and be a mentor. So uh, sort of what you're talking about with that Gatorade immersion program that you need to be on a certain level to be able to give back and give quality information to to uh, to students and, and prospective coaches. Uh, you know, there's this perception in the field that a mentor is someone that you hook your wagon to, someone who is essentially going to get you that next job or give you a recommendation. Is that accurate, or or how do you view the role of the mentor instead? Yeah, I think I, I don't I don't think that's accurate. And I think and that's why I wanted to use, you know, a couple of very specific examples previously of, of people that I consider mentors that had a huge influence on me that have nothing to do with strength and conditioning or nutrition or the NFL or anything like that. You know, that's, those are just people that influenced me um, personally and professionally. And so I, I do think, you know, I think it's a mistake to, you know, go after a mentor just for the purpose of. Uh, you know, like you said, hooking your wagon to them, right? I think 
I, I learned one time of, uh, and this might be a little corny, but the analogy of a bird where, you know, when a bird stands on a branch, the bird isn't worried about if that branch falls or not, right? Because the bird, you know, relies on its own wings. And you can essentially say that about your yourself as a professional. If, you, if you're always worried about, well, my job depends on this person um, and where this person goes, you know, aka that, that branch breaking, um, and if you're going to go down with that every time, I mean, that's not something I want to be involved with. So I think you always, and there's, you know, you got to make relationships and, and luckily some of those might help you land a job or get your foot in the door. And that's great if that's secondary, you know, to that goal of a mentor. But um, I would definitely advise against, you know, hooking yourself to somebody because that doesn't always work out. And John's been in this, you know, a lot longer than me you can probably speak to that as well. What do you think, John? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I agree with everything that, that Mike said and how he defined, you know, the characteristics of, uh, of a mentor and of that relationship being one of respect and trust and belief. And, um, it, and I think that's a, it, it's a reciprocated relationship, right? I mean, that respect and trust and belief goes both ways. And when I think back on the, those relationships that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of, you know, it's um, one where I had a great uh, admiration and tr belief and trust and wanted to learn from this individual happened to be, become my mentor. And I believe that that was reciprocated that he or she had, uh, you know, respected my curiosity for learning and wanting to grow and punk, you know, just um, wanting to, to, to learn and be a better professional. And then that relationship is nurtured and grows and really develops into, you know, now what everybody's calling a, a, a mentorship relationship. But in at least in my experience, I never really reached out for, to, and say, would you be more my mentor? It's just been something that has naturally, a relationship that's naturally developed and grown. And, uh, you know, as sometimes that grows into one where they are able to help you out, whether it's that's through a recommendation or, or, you know, in many cases, me reaching out and asking for advice or asking them to be a reference or that type of thing. But um, yeah, I, I think to me, at least in my experience, that it, it's, it's a relationship that is very, very much a two-way street. And I would even go so far as to say that many who have, through the years, considered me a mentor, I have learned just as much, if not more, from them than I feel like they've learned from me. John, I'm really glad you you mentioned that. You know, I think of early in my career, you know, I, I think we all aspire or look for a mentor, someone to, you know, guide us or just teach us something that's going to take us a little bit longer to figure out on our own. And I think it's pretty common to believe that, you know, mentorship and networking are important at every stage of your career, but especially for young coaches, getting their foot in the door, uh, making those early professional connections. 
you know, Mike, what advice do you have for young coaches and, you know, sort of on John's point, you know, how do you initiate that mentor mentee relationship if you're getting into the field or is this something that just needs to happen naturally? Yeah. I mean, I love that question. And I, cause I love to think about that. And, um, you know, I, I almost think it's, a, there's a little bit of both, obviously, I think in an ideal world, you know, it would, every relationship would come hundred percent organic. Right. And I think that is, you know, it probably is best when it does come like that, but I think of mentorship like a relationship, you know, uh, and sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't, you know, and it, you could just say the same thing about maybe some, somebody's having a hard time, you know, finding a girlfriend or boyfriend or something like that. And they, they go on a dating app. Right. So now you're being a little bit more intentional about finding a mentor or sorry, a relationship, but you could tie that to mentorship too, where, Hey, maybe you're a young coach in the field and you really just don't have that, that person that, that can give you that vision that can give you that knowledge and things like that. So I think if you're, if you're seeking out something specific, so if you're a young coach, and you're interested in a specific part of strength conditioning and you know this person right here is is one of the you know experts right i think reaching out to them intentionally to maybe learn more and try to um build a relationship with them i think there's nothing wrong with that just because it's not i mean i think that's still organic but it's also intentional right just because you don't meet them organically through somebody else um i don't think there's anything wrong with that but i do think you know, like I said, it's a, sometimes it's like a relationship, but sometimes it doesn't work out. You might think this person is going to be a mentor for you and you guys just don't, whether it's some of those things that, you know, John talked about and I talked about in terms of, um, you know, maybe they just can't give you that perspective or, or paint that vision for you for whatever reason. Um, and I also think that that sometimes to have a mentor, you actually have to go through something together. You know, I think when, when I think back at my mentors and you know, you, you got to maybe win together. You got to lose together. You got to cry together, laugh together. You maybe have to go through some type of adversity to, to come, to become stronger again, to, to the analogy of a relationship. Um, there has to become some kind of substance there. Um, other, otherwise that might dwindle out. And so again, I think it's, you know, long witted. I think there's a little bit of both uh, in terms of some intentionality and, and strategy to at least trying to find some mentors that, you know, for very specific goals but I also think a lot of them just, you know, come about organically and naturally and through other mentors and, and through other stops along the way. Looking at it like a mentorship, like a relationship, you know, some may work out, some may not. But as a young coach, continuing to make those professional connections is very, very valuable. Uh, and there's learning on both ends of that. You know, you might have a negative experience, but you can learn from that as well. Uh, and I think there's empathy on the mentee side of things as well as I think we all can relate to the fact that at different stages in our careers or lives, we have other things that maybe we don't have as much time for taking in a ton of mentees or bringing on extra interns and these things. And so we go through different stages of, of uh, opening ourselves up to being mentors and giving back to the profession. Uh, and I think, you know, as going back to the young coach days, you know, we, I think young coaches are great at seeking out the people that have the, the time of, you know, available, and they're going to keep, keep uh, making those contacts. And that's the lesson I try to, to pass on to young coaches a lot is you have to, you have to go to conferences, you have to go to events, you have to do your homework of 
who's sitting next to you if, if you know they're at this university or whatever it is. So you can have a good conversation. Uh, Coach Joseph, I want to ask you a question now, you know, on the other side of this, you know, what are some things that young coaches should avoid doing when reaching out or working with more experienced coaches, or especially when they get a new position and are building that mentor mentee relationship with their head coaches? Yeah, I, it, it's interesting. I don't know if this is necessarily avoid doing, but I, I would say, you know, probably to me, one of the biggest things is just to, to enter into the relationship or, or, you know, to approach the individual with uh, the, the attitude of what can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I assist? And, you know, that goes a long ways um, to, to approach uh a mentor or a coach or with, with, Hey, is there anything I can do for you? And what ends up happening is you get an awful lot in return. And again, there, there's that, again, that reciprocation that I was talking about and to, to go into it with, with a very, very open mind and just the willingness to, to learn and grow and help. And um, I, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, con- to be redundant, but I, I think that that's a, a very key ingredient to uh, a successful, uh, a su- successful relationship and, and mentor mentee um, experience. And, you know, I've, and then if you just from the very beginning decide, you know what, I'm going to exceed all expectations, whether that is you know, showing up, showing up on time or you're given a little bit of a responsibility and you're expected to have it done on Friday and you get it done on Thursday, whatever the case may be, just really do your very best to exceed expectations. And it's amazing when you go into it with that attitude in one of humility and one of giving how much you, uh, you get in return. And, um, it's, uh, it's the, I, I don't know if there is a, a, a magic formula, uh, you know, as I would agree with, with what Mike said and that sometimes the relationship works and sometimes it doesn't, but uh, there's no question that you, there's an opportunity to learn all along the way. Right. How about you, Mike? Yeah. I'm not just, I love what John said about, it's just, it is a two-way street, you know, it's almost because somebody, somebody's going to have a hard time bringing you on as a mentee if you can't add value to them, you know, it can't be a one-way street. And, you know, a lot of those people that are in mentor positions only have so much time and resources, just like all of us, you know, so they can't just have an unlimited amount of mentees that they're, they're dealing with and things like that. So there's got to be some type of value added on both sides. And, you know, when I kind of talked about what a mentor was to me, the, the, the respect, the influence, the perspective, the, the knowledge, things like that, that has to be two ways, you know, as a mentor, you're talking about your mentee, you had, you have to get that back from them as well. So I love that, you know, what John brought up about, it has to be a two-way street. I think that's hundred percent true. And that's probably why maybe sometimes some of them don't work out. Maybe yeah, it's too one, too one-sided. I like that, you know, keeping an open mind to learning. Uh, but still adding value to the program, you know, when you're, even if you're inexperienced, there's something you can do to help the program, help the program grow, bring something that uh, is lacking or that, uh, 
maybe maybe your mentor or head coach doesn't like doing and you can take it off their plate. You know, you always hear that advice. Uh, I want to relate this a little bit to our work with athletes. What do you guys think about the role of coaches as mentors with players? And Mike, uh, how does that look now working at the professional level? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's there's more parallels than not with, you know, our relationships with our athletes and how we go about mentoring them. You know, I think they're the hardest thing always is the, the fine line between the relationship between a coach and an athlete and, and make sure that line's drawn where, you know, you do have a job to do and um, a certain thing, but you can obviously still, you know, uh, be cordial and be friendly and, and things like that. And so I think you're always battling what that relationship looks like and what's sort of appropriate and, and things like that. But I think when it comes to, you know, mentorship, I, I really think about it in the same principles of, you know, there has to be trust there and, obviously that's the foundation and now we're talking about specifically let's just you know talk about coaching and strength and conditioning just to kind of to put our vision in a little bit more there has to be trust there for them you know to want to to want to do the program and if you're trying to push them to do something there has to be trust there I think again there has to be mutual respect between the the coach and the athlete and again that's sometimes that can take time you know um, sometimes you have to show that, you know, they can be successful and, and help them improve before that gets there. And the same thing with trust. Um, and I think there has to be a collective responsibility. And this kind of goes back to you got to be in something together. And so it's easy as a coach, when you're a coach coaching an athlete, you guys are in it together. You know, your success depends on theirs and vice versa. And, and you guys are all in it for one goal. So that's kind of taken care of. But um, yeah, collective responsibility. And I think it's our job to give feedback and it has to be honest feedback and it has to be transparent um, and just transparent communication all the time. I think they, they really value that. And, and as a coach, that's very important. Uh, and I do think, you know, that whole, you know, painting a vision and being futuristic, I think it's important. I think sometimes, you know, we get bogged down and, you know, we talk a lot about the process, right? Well, and I, I, I love it, you know, when everybody wants, wants to talk about, you know, stick to the process and don't think too far about the goal. But at the same time, you do have to think about the goal sometimes, in my opinion, you know, because I think if people get bogged down in the process, sometimes they're like, what, what are we doing again? You know what I mean? Like when you're into week, whatever, training, and you're like, all of a sudden athletes are like, what, like, what part of the block are we in again? You know what I mean? Like, why are we doing this again? So there always has to be that vision and, and perspective for the athlete and then in knowledge. I mean, I think there's certain level uh, athletes that, have a drive to learn more than others. And I think you as a practitioner, obviously the soft skills are very important, communication and things like that, but you better know your stuff. You know, you better know the X's and O's of what you're doing and why you're doing on the floor and on the field. And uh, I think that's important. And so if an athlete has a question, you should either be able to answer it or get the answer for them. So I think, again, there's a lot of parallels in how you mentor a mentee under you as an assistant strength coach or as a a performance nutrition assistant and how you mentor athletes. I think the same principles apply for the most part. John, how about you? Yeah, I would agree. I think there's always uh, mentoring between, you know, from the, the, the strength coach or the sports dietitian or the practitioner to the athlete, um, whether that is, and it all starts with modeling, right? How you conduct yourself as a, as a professional, uh, especially in the, in, in the, the collegiate and high school setting, um, you know, they're, they're a sponge and they are learning all the time. And uh, they're looking at you as a, as a professional and how you conduct yourself, whether that is uh, showing up on time and being punctual or 
showing poise under pressure, being able to adapt to change. And uh, I think also how you treat others, uh, treating others fairly, treating others with respect, with compassion. And uh, in, in my opinion, all of that is, is, is very, very important. And uh, no question in my mind that uh, um, there is a, a, the, the, the mentoring process is almost continuous, I think. And um, uh, in, in my opinion, at least for me, that was probably the part that I enjoyed, if not more, definitely just as much as the the I'll say the X's and O's of strength conditioning and the programming program design and and uh, coaching that part of it um, and uh, I, I I think that it and hopefully hopefully that is one of the reasons that we all get into this right to be able to help others grow as individuals and professionals yeah I, I really like that you know as coaches we have a job to do but we also have to keep the best interests of our players and athletes in mind. And I think of scenarios where you don't always know the impact you're having on, uh, you don't know the years you have, you know, with the athlete at the time, you know, I think of a few times that you get a call years later from a player you had and they, they're, ca they're calling you to ask for advice on something totally unrelated to the weight room or Hey, I remember you used to talk about this or you used to, uh, you know, I, I remember you were buying a house or going through, uh, you know, having your firstborn and now we are. And I mean, those are really powerful career moments. Some of the, some of the best conversations and they really hit you, you know, we don't, we don't talk about those things a lot in coaching and, uh, man, it is so powerful. So the, the role that we play as coaches for our teams, for our athletes, it's, it's a lifelong journey. Uh, and in the way you guys are talking about that, I, I think it, it, just the fact that it goes beyond the here and the now, uh, I think that's a great message for everyone listening today. Um, Mike, I want to ask you something a little, a little bit related to the fact that you were an RD and you are a CSCS. Uh, so you work as a strength coach, but you work on the nutrition side of things. There's a lot of coaches out there that don't have a nutrition background you have, but have to work with an RD. And so there's a little bit of that mentorship relationship there as well, where, uh, you know, there's learning to be had. What advice do you have for coaches that are, you know, working with a department that has an RD, uh, when to refer to, to, to that knowledge and just how to navigate that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there has to be a drive to learn from the coach first and foremost. So, I mean, I think they have to obviously have that drive to, to want to gain that type of knowledge and gain that relationship. So I think there has to be, a, again, like kind of John said, there has to be kind of a two-way um, want and need for that. Um, but again, I think it's, it's something where you just kind of navigate, navigate the staff and navigate the position and um, yeah. And I mean, and it kind of relates back to what we we're talking about with how you find a mentor is, and one thing that I kind of, I forgot to mention a little bit is in terms of the strategy side is you got to find a way to connect and there's always a way to connect with somebody, you know, you can always find that something. And I feel like a lot of a mistake that a lot of us make is we just think the connection is just strength and conditioning. 
or the connection is just sports, you know? So if I'm trying to find a mentor, so in your example, uh, a coach maybe wanting to work with an RD or, or vice versa or whatever, you know, the, the connection, right. Well, we're just on the same team. So now we automatically have a connection. That's not necessarily true. You know, find out where that person's from, you know, do you know us? Do you guys have um, a common friend? Have you worked with a common athlete before? Um, there's always something. And that was something I, uh, I learned from Sean Holes, who I worked with um, in Philly is, is he was very good at finding that connection. You know, I feel like every time that we had somebody come in, uh, maybe a new person, he knew where they were from and he knew somebody that was from there. And that's like such a power, so, so simple, um, but such a powerful way to start a relationship with somebody. And so I think, I, again, not to get too long winded is I think for that person around me, I think I just find that connectedness first. So number one, is there a drive to learn? Um, you know, is there value for both sides and, and find that, find that way to connect. I like that. You know, you can be the mentor on one side, but the, the mentee, you know, on at the same time, you know, working with as staffs have grown, as, as departments have grown and new roles are added, you know, you're the expert in one area and someone else is the expert in something else. And I think keeping that in mind is, uh, is really value, valuable, relates to mentorship, what we've been talking about today. I've really enjoyed this. Uh, Mike, want to give you a chance for our listeners who want to reach out. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, so that's kind of the normal things. I mean, you can look me up on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Mike Menace on there from last time I checked. Maybe not, um, but you should be able to find me on there. Um, Twitter at mmenace89, and then the Instagram handle is the same. So I'm open, open, always connect. How about you, Coach Jose? Uh, probably the easiest way is through my Gatorade um, email, which is jonathan.jost at pepsico.com. Um, that's going to be the easiest way to reach me. And uh, definitely welcome uh, anybody that uh, wants to reach out and, and uh, connect with me and uh, we'll help any way I can. Both of you guys are great resources for, for everyone listening in today. Mike and John, thanks for being with us today. To our listeners, we hope you liked what you heard. We would also like to thank Gatorade Performance Partner for fueling this episode and supporting important conversations to advance the strength and conditioning profession. If you'd like to learn more and join the Gatorade Performance Partner community, visit GatoradePerformancePartner.com. Also, thanks to Sorenex Exercise Equipment a regular sponsor on the NSCA Coaching Podcast. We appreciate their support. From the NSCA headquarters here in Colorado Springs, have a great day. From the NSCA, thank you for listening to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. We serve you, the coaching community. So follow, subscribe, and download for future episodes. We look forward to connecting with you again soon and hope you'll join us at an upcoming NSCA event or in one of our special interest groups. For more information, go to nsca.com. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.